Hey folks, it's Jeff Wenzel from the Woodshed Agency, and you are listening to my podcast called Successfully Funded. Here we go. Let's turn it up. Yeah! All right, crowdfunders, how's everybody doing out there in crowdfunding land? Everybody doing all right? You guys all have a great Thanksgiving weekend. Did you get that turkey on? Uh, how's your campaigns go? Huh? Everybody's campaigns doing well out there. So you can probably hear in my voice that my sickness has uh, has uh, went to the went to ten. I hate to be a Debbie Downer. It feels like the last few episodes I'm just in Debbie Downer land. But man, I had to wake. I woke up last night about three in the morning. Uh, wife gave me like half a Vicodin because that's all we had in the house for pain because my face is killing me. It's like my whole like a sinus infection. So I went to urgent care this morning. Uh, got some medicine. But yeah, so. I am feeling it right now. I'm working with a massive sinus infection going on in my, my head right now. So, whew. but the podcast must go on. So coming up on today's episode, um, I, I got to talk to a project that's you know very close to my heart because it's about uh, guitar. Uh, so I got to talk to Federico and his company is Fred X and he's created a, a device. Um, it's a smart device that works with your iPhone to to be able to teach you how to play guitar. Um, it, it, it goes on the fretboard. It lights up. Um, yeah, I know I'm doing an awful job of, of, of selling it and describing it, but you got to go check it out. So just go to uh, Fret X. It's over on Indiegogo. Um, but, but their campaign is, uh, you know, crossing, it, it, it's over $84,000 with 10 days to go. So on a $50,000 goal. So really, really great product. Um, it was a great conversation just cause I got to, got to chat a little bit about guitars and whatnot. So, um, but yeah, so, so that is coming up a little bit later in the podcast episode. So back to me, right back to me. You know, what annoys me about the urgent care is this copay world and in insurance land. I had to spend a hundred dollars and I have, we have insurance. My wife has insurance. I have, I'm on it. Right. You know? It's $125 if you don't have insurance. Okay, what's, you know, geez, not that big of a difference. And then, I mean, I know what this is. I get this sickness every year. When I'm doing this podcast next year around this time, I guarantee you I'm having an episode just like this. This comes on over and over. So I know what I need. Just need some antibiotics to kill this thing in my face. That's all it is. That's all it is. And um, so, you know, so 100 bucks, right? Just to, just to go. The doctor... I did three deep breaths, two on my back, one on my, my chest. She looked in my right ear because I told her, I know my right ear is getting it. This thing has moved from my left fa- side of my face to my right. She goes, yeah, that's, that's gnarly. You're, yep. All right, let me get your prescription. Not even a minute long. Maybe a minute and a half. Now that I think about it, maybe a minute and a half. So 100 bucks. you know, I'm a little frustrated with that. I don't know about that. I know I don't make a hundred bucks for three minutes of my time, two minutes of my time, a minute and a half of my time. Um, so that's in my crawl today. But uh, the other thing is, is um, yeah, we had a great Thanksgiving. Uh, my sister did an unbelievable job. Uh, one of the things she did this year is she sourced all of the food locally, right? So co-ops and um, I mean everything up until one thing. So and, and by the way, the food was amazing. My sister, I got to give her a major shout out. Uh, she did an awesome, awesome job. And hopefully all you guys had great Thanksgivings too. But uh, yeah, Jen Wenzel really tore it up this year. Uh, but the funny story is 
so you know my grandma gets wind that all the food's going to be coming local right my grandma's 82 83 something like that or in 80s somewhere around there and you know i'm helping her get out of the car and we're bringing some stuff in from the back of back of her car and um uh, she goes into one of her bags and pulls out a can, just a a can of cranberries cranberry jelly i think it's like cranberry whatever right and she sneaks it in the house. She puts it in her pocket so nobody sees it. Opens it up, you know, without anybody seeing it. And then sticks it on a dish and then brings it out to the table. The My sister just, you know, bless her heart, just was like, what in the heck? It's like, yeah. So every single thing on our, on our, our um, uh, table was, was locally sourced, except for the can of cranberries that my grandma had to bring. Because we all needed that high fructose corn syrup right Ugh, grandma bear grandma bear so yeah man my face is killing me i can't tell you how bad it hurts but whatever so uh, in other news um yeah man i, I i'm sorry about the debbie downerisms i'm sorry i i I wish things weren't like this, but so my dad's back in the hospital. Yeah, he came home Wednesday and Thursday. I think I talked to everybody on Monday last week. And uh, dad came home uh, Wednesday afternoon, Wednesday late afternoon, had Thanksgiving with all of us and ended up going back on uh, Friday uh, to the emergency room and was and is still in the hospital. I'm going to go probably see him today. So, yeah, things aren't good there. So we've got that going on, which is always nice. But um you know, so I appreciate everybody kind of reaching out and, and telling me that you're thinking about him and stuff. It's, it means, it means a lot to me that you guys are doing that. Uh, he's, he's all right. You know, it's just, you know, uh, it's just life getting older, right? That's what's going on here. So, um, but yeah, so back to, back to our conversation I'm going to have here in a little bit. So, um, really, really kind of an intriguing conversation with, uh, uh, Federico on, on, on how his pivot and, uh, ended up turning him into making this guitar product. Him and I share a, um, kind of a similar theory around guitar. Like, I, and, and when I use theory, I, sh- I guess there was a pun intended there. I didn't mean to, but I was never a big theory guy. I just loved just picking it up and just literally just crunching on it for hours and hours. And I started playing when I was 12. Um, and, and, and he had the, kind of the same story. Like, he just did not want to get into theory. But there is a point, man, where you really got, you really have to. And I kind of did that a little bit. Still wish I knew more. Um, but, but I definitely, definitely would have loved to have this tool back in the day. And I'll say, the other thing, too, is I've talked about this on a couple episodes. I really love this idea of, of product, software, and community that, that goes around these companies. I really think that that's the trifecta on on where you're going to see a lot of products going. Um, what well, are there? But, but you're going to see more and more of it. I mean, if you can build that community around it, around your idea and, 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 and you know, get support outside of you know, just a one time, people just buying something, but you know, people actually engaging, I really see that as being um, you know, really the, like a heart and soul, right? It's like, it's a, that, or maybe that's almost the blood that's kind of going through your, your company. Maybe the, the heart's the, uh, old, uh, the old product, but... But you get that community kind of going around, and that's where you can really get, um, you know, momentum going and allow people to, to participate in the conversations and participate in the ideas. And I just t- see so much power in that. And, and this company has that as well. I mean, we've had a couple episodes like this where, we, where we've kind of talked about that. So really cool stuff. Um, but yeah, so, oh, one thing. I've got a, a, a new announcement for everybody. So here. 
Whoa. How about those? Some sound effects. So um, we have uh, closed off the our community channel. Uh, and there's a reason for this is we wanted to start charging a little bit for it to kind of weed out people who just kind of join and then don't communicate. We really want to have a, a thriving conversation there, right? But what does that mean? So that means on our end that we are going to be spending a ton of time and energy on that channel, uh, webinars and video productions uh, techniques and you know copywriting and Facebook ads. We're really going to start putting a lot more emphasis on that. So if you're interested in joining our community, I strongly recommend it. There's so many benefits of it. Outside of there being 100 and so odd, you know, 100 I can, you know, or over a hundred people on there that are actually chatting and talking. You know, it's a great opportunity for you to come in and reach out to people and have conversations as well. Do some networking, talk about your project, talk about how you're working on stuff, and then you know maybe get some advice. So some some advice because myself, Sean, and Paul we're all on the um, we're all in that channel, so you can basically live chat with us whenever you want. So so that's been a new feature. And then the next big news is that uh, I'm going to drop a little hint here. We've got a product coming. And uh, it should be ready to go here in about two weeks. And I am so giddy about it because uh, I think it's going to really, really help if you're thinking about doing a crowdfunding campaign. So that product is almost ready to go. I'm just waiting on a few uh, I's dotted and T's crossed. But man, I've been working on it for over a month. Uh, Paul and Sean's been working on it now. And um, but yeah, it's going to be great. So that's coming as well. So keep your keep your uh, your eyes and your ears open for that. So, all right, I made it through. I'm going to go, probably go back to sleep for a little bit. I'm not going to lie. So here's my conversation with Federique on Fret X, and we're going to talk about learning how to play the guitar. It's been 55 days and my phone ain't ring. Check my email and I ain't got a thing. Ain't had no human. All right, the red light's on. That means it's go time. So why don't we kick off our conversation with you kind of telling me and my listeners uh, what your project is and uh, what you're working on. Sure. Um, well, my name is Federico. I'm the founder and CEO of FredX. Um, FredX, it's more like a, it's, a, it's a musical experience related with, with guitar. Basically, uh, for a long time in my life, I, I mean, seven years of my life, I played guitar. And amazingly, I had a rock band and everything, but I always had hard times to read tabs and music notation. And it's something that I never really liked, and I'm not the most professional. Um, I don't have the most professional ear on, on in time. So actually, I came up with this idea of uh, building a, a product that would uh, put directly in your guitar, and you would be able to like read music directly from the instrument and following lights and playing songs and later on in chords and like achieving your goal of like playing super fast the song that you wanted to do. Um, so we call this, this project company named Fred X, which it's, I mean, really related to the guitar fretboard and X as an exponential possibilities of music that we can play. Uh, so basically the way uh, Fred X works, it's a um, device that you put onto any guitar, whatever guitar you have. Um, you get it, uh, I mean, it works alongside with a mobile app and you get the mobile app, you choose, you select the song that is coming from YouTube 
and you get the lights right away streamed on uh, the fretboard of your guitar. Uh, so it makes like a, a very playful and dynamic experience for those who already um, play the guitar and they want to play some, some songs, some new songs, uh, songs that fit the first four frets. So usually it's like very popular songs, most of them. Um, simple songs, popular songs, something that we need to go. I mean, you can go to a campsite and start playing uh, that song that you really, really know how to play, but somebody can actually read the lyrics while you're playing and following the lights and everything going to be fine. And for, those cool. who actually, for those who actually are brand new on guitars, the app and the product teaches you how to make like like roughly like 20 chords in one hour so you can start like doing some music from very scratch uh, with no need of musical theory, theoretical background or to read any tabs. That's cool. So uh, yeah, one of the reasons I reached out to you is uh, I share a similar story to you. I, I play guitar. I've been playing since I was 12. So I've got 20 years under my belt and... Uh, I was never the guy that wanted to sit down and learn the theory. I just wanted to grab it, chunk along, and just, you know, figure it out on my own. So that's why when I saw this, I was like, very, uh, very cool, very ingenious. Tell me, walk me again through how, you know, somebody like me might learn a song off of YouTube. Walk me through that process a little bit more. Sure. I mean, the first thing is, like, how do we actually put the process, I mean, YouTube um, songs. Um, today, there are a couple of, um, there's two two core things that we develop, which is like anybody can actually upload those songs uh, to the Fred X, and the way they do it is through, um, uh, it's still on beta, but it's actually working, we're signing up some people to actually just test and just develop, like a, doing some tricks on the UI, but basically anybody can grab a YouTube link, put it there, and program the chords. Uh, so when the chord, I mean, so any teacher or artist, they can program the Fred X. Uh, so basically, once the the, the song is actually um, loaded, it's loaded as well on the mobile app. And once you select it from the mobile app, uh, you have two modes. Either the song starts streaming and you have a small uh, one second difference um, between the chord. It actually has to be played and the lights are displayed. You know, if you're right, gonna right, be, right. if you need to play like a D chord, the D chord is gonna show up uh, like about a second late before. So you actually you check you know which light is coming after. Um, and on the other side, you have like two different sets of lights, which is like um, red lights and the blue lights. Red lights is where you put your fingers on, and the blue lights are the open strings. Um, so if you see if you go on the page, you're gonna see that some of the chords are displayed on. Um, on blue uh, and some on red. So that's how, how the story goes. And the other thing which is like pretty cool is like if you don't want to go like straight from uh, like listening to the song and, and checking on the lights, what you can actually do is like first learn the chords first. So you learn which chord is coming first and the app uh, actually detects what you are actually playing. So the experience goes along as you play the chord, then you go to the next set of lights with display channel chord, you put your fingers, you play, boom, you go to the next one. Um, so we got a pretty nice, uh, like very immersive experience for people to start playing like riffs, for example. So they get, there's one of the videos in the landing page that uh, shows you how the app is actually detecting what you play. So it listens to what you play and then it moves the light, uh, um, I mean, to the next light. So how does this work with the fretboard? So if I've got my $3,000 Les Paul, 
are you are you are you putting putting some lights on it? How how does that work? Um, basically, when you what I mean, whatever the backer uh, when when they back us, one of the um, of the community, they get the Fred X. What they get it's like something that looks like a very tiny sheet of paper um, that on. I, don't, I mean, if you see the picture of the campaign, basically it's a very tiny sheet of paper that contains on the on the on the very edges uh, a very uh, pressure sensitive adhesive. This means that it's something that you just put on and you can take it in and out. Um, so this makes that you only slide the product between the fretboard and the strings. Okay. So there's a small part of the adhesive that remains on the back of the fretboard, not on the fretboard itself. So we would never touch the wood of your fretboard, but it would only stick to the back. And this sticker, it's actually a non-permanent sticker. It's something that you're going to be able to like put it once and maybe put it to another guitar if you feel so. Um, so the back of the guitar is something I mean we're pretty concerned because we don't want to like screw anything on the back of my guitar especially uh, right. somebody else's guitar um, so it basically it's like a very gentle adhesive you just put it there it's so thin that you don't feel it so you can just like put it there and then if you let's say if you're like playing on a Gibson Les Paul and then tomorrow you want to play with an acoustic you can take it out you can put it onto the other guitar um, so once you take it out you will never feel that there's any sort of adhesive in your guitar ever it really works like another product uh, that's on the market for guitars named the Acpad okay. um, which is like a MIDI controller uh, that sticks to your to the body of your guitar and it never okay. leaves traces so it's pretty much the same adhesive technology and it, and it it makes that you can you I mean once you slide it you touch it on the pack, this this electronic paper is so thin that uh, it goes really uh, below the, your fret, so you can actually play, do uh, bendings, uh, slides, and you would never feel that you have something there. But yeah, you that's, get the that's what I was wondering. Is I mean, yeah, you know, that's an intimate relationship between that fingertip and and fret. Like I'm wondering how it feels for somebody to, exactly. to feel that underneath underneath your finger. So. Well, I mean, basically, you as, as you're actually um, gluing it on the backside, it's like these strips, you, like when you're like gluing them, uh, you sort of like, uh, you put like a little tension so it remains just uh, really um, side by side to the fretboard. So the side, I mean, the thickness of this, uh, of this material is somewhat, some, somewhat around five times less than the fret, the fret wire. And basically when you're playing the guitar, you're just like making sure that the string touches the fret wire and you hardly actually go to the very end of the fretboard. Uh, gotcha, and, gotcha. Uh, so technically you don't touch this material. Uh, even if it's there, you're trying to like, I mean, if you put a lot of pressure on the string, but usually your finger hurts first. Uh, right. you touch it, but, but it's very thin. It's very, it's very like non-intrusive at all. It's something that we spend like what some time developing and and figuring out what will be the best material and and the best lights, so you can actually keep playing. And you would never feel that there's any fretting. That's cool. So you know, at, you know, I get where you made this. You made this because you know you wanted this as because you, how you play guitar. Yeah. But what was the process? 
outside of getting the initial idea, like what was the first step that had to happen for you for this project to, to get going? Okay, yeah, I mean, the kickoff was um, I had my guitar, this, and I was actually at the very beginning, there were no lights on the product actually. Um, we were, uh, I mean, I was, I was talking to a friend once, and I was telling him, like, I'm actually playing the same stuff all over and over. So the, the basic idea was to um, to develop something a little bigger with no lights uh, to control exactly what we were playing, like a sensor stuff, and propose something different. So I was tinkering about this idea for quite some long time because I was like very, very stuck. I don't know if you ever had something like that, like those moments that you're stuck on something, and I was stuck on, a, I don't know, like... In, I don't know, like a pentatonic scale stuff. Really, uh, it was really, really basic. But I mean, I wanted to get out of there, but I didn't really know how. Um, and I never really like YouTube videos. There are some, somewhat I find them too long. Um, so I mean, it was like this moment at the very right time that in France they were doing this uh, this competition was um, digital startup related with culture uh, prize, something like that. And um, I said, like, wow, that's cool. So I just grabbed, I'm, I'm a textile engineer, so I grabbed like a piece of electronic textile that I was tinkering with some Arduinos. And I told these guys, uh, okay, listen, I mean, I got this, this something related with culture, which is music, and it's this like magical textile that teaches you how to play the guitar. And it was a pretty hacky stuff, but they, they were like, wow, this is fascinating stuff. This is right, like right. the future. So we grabbed that that prototype and then we made a demo one month after with between some people who are actually guitar players and guitar beginners and people related with virtual reality and, and they were like, Well, this is massive and let's do more of this and then we went to the maker fair and then we I mean I met some couple of guys from incubators and accelerators and they were like, Man, you should actually do this a business and I I said like, Yeah, sure, why not? So basically I quit my consulting job. And and it started like uh, this is a startup from the ground up, um, wow. and and I mean this is this is how we ended up now like doing an Indiegogo and we're gonna be in CS uh, in January. That's cool. That's so, very so, cool. So yeah, yeah. Well, what's your background a little bit? What uh, what did you do growing up? Where'd um, you grow up? I should say. Well, actually, I'm I'm not from France. I'm um I'm from Argentina. Um, oh okay. So. I started playing, I mean, I was born in Argentina and I started playing the guitar there uh, when I was 15. Uh, my dad brought me this, this, this broken neck guitar <laughs> uh, for, for us to fix it. And that was really the beginning that I started to play the, the guitar. I was like 15, when I was 15, so it was like 18 years ago. And um, I started with that. We had this band in school and I was always like very, very lazy towards like going theoretical onto the guitar I was I was always more like hands on rather than you know like tab or or partition so I think like it, it fully represents this product like how did I ended up playing the guitar and then um, when I went to college I went to college as a study textile engineering because it was like uh, some part of my family they were doing textiles and I wanted to do some um, some very specific textiles that are like considered technical textiles. So I started working in, in research and development. Was that some, in Argentina? In Argentina, yeah, doing some okay. very crazy textiles and uh, for different industries like car uh, construction, building, filters, stuff like that in a very huge German company. 
uh, so I stayed like five years doing R&D. So that gave me like quite a lot of background about like manufacturing uh, products uh, using chemicals, uh, you know, like basically supply chain issues and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and basically I ended up in France because my girlfriend is French and we met, we met in Argentina and she told me whether we come over and I was like, uh, in that moment, I was actually running another another small company that I sold in Argentina. I came here, I started learning French from scratch. I got related with the region, and then I started to tinker uh, with with more into electronics when I was working in a French company here uh, that we needed to develop some specific electronic stuff for um, advertisement. Uh, so basically, I actually managed to get this uh, product design thing into my hobby, which was like playing like easy songs for guitar, and I wanted to learn a little bit more. Um, so I have like at any at any time, I'm, I'm a very talkative and social guy, but uh, I'm coming from from a technical background mainly. Right, right. More more what than did a music. What did you, uh, your parents do? Uh, they, they're actually, um, I mean, no, my dad used to be a businessman related with the textile industry, and uh-huh. uh, my mom, she was working for real estate. <laughs> okay, so, I mean, were they entrepreneurs? Uh, they have um, businesses? Actually, well, I mean, my dad was running his own company, but he was my, the, the real entrepreneur was my granddad, who built oh, our really? company. So um, my mom, she would, I mean, she likes that I'm an entrepreneur, but she always, uh, she would be more like into like trying to get a safe job. Uh, right. but, but I think I'm, I'm basically the, the, the last one in, in a batch. I mean, I had like two older sisters and I am the, uh-huh. the smaller one. I mean, the, 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 the younger one. So basically, I think they just let me do whatever I wanted to. <laughs> um, <laughs> you were like, yeah, whatever. You want to be an entrepreneur, just go, go for it, definitely. Right, right. Um, but in any case, I had like, I already crashed a company in Argentina. Uh, we had, I mean, it was not like a big crash, but uh, it was like a soft landed, but we have to close it. And it was related yeah. with a with specific polymer. And then I was building this other one uh, that I sold before coming to France. And this one is actually my first tech startup uh, related with software and, and electronics mainly. So, so what's intriguing about your project is that you, you, I mean, you have a physical product, you have a software product that yeah. goes with it. And then you really need to build a community around this to, I would imagine, where people can learn songs together and, and exactly. share stuff. So how do you start that process of, of creating kind of three different major components? Do you know what I mean? Like, it's a lot. Yeah. I th- so, I think so how do you start with that to keep those plates spinning? It's actually, I mean, I think one of the things, like, um, at the very first stage we just try to focus to do the best product uh, internally and test it with people so uh, most of our product that actually has been as I was mainly a solo founder what I was doing was like deploying products that would be like sort of usable in the hardware side but on the software side we're not really building a lot of stuff and we're just trying to test uh, like with with mockups, you know, controlling right, the right. lights and and doing like a like a fake experience test, but just to get the right experience and the right flow of information for the user. And in that case, I started to do quite uh, quite a bunch of uh, guitar teachers, 
and they gave me like amazing tips, amazing tips on how can we actually drive uh, someone to actually learn like very basic chords using one finger, two fingers, three right. fingers uh, in the most like efficient way um, and, the, and, the, and the most like uh, long, I mean, it's sort of like a lonely experience at the beginning because you're like just yourself if you're actually learning the guitar nobody wants to be around you <laughs> right yeah, yeah. Uh, so basically i mean our users basically they go through through a set of videos and a set of light interactions and a set of no detection and core detection that just drives the experience quite uh, individual but pretty awesome hmm. Um, on the community side, what we say is like, okay, I mean, do we really want to make something that that is just for, I mean, closed platform, or we want to make something that goes big, and it's and it will be independent from a guitar product. So, the key to doing this sort of stuff was for us to develop something that would make like. I mean, we can actually get people to load content and build their own experience. That's why we built this um, desktop uploader uh, where you can actually get content that you already have or one of your friends have from YouTube and you can actually create that. So I think most of the part of the community we created was like to actually meet people with a crappy prototype and, and make them test <laughs> uh, the product as it was. Uh, and we started going really B to B to B to C if you want, rather than going to the straight to guitar teachers and schools. Right, right. That that they love the idea, but they definitely need like a more roundup product sometimes, uh, rather than the geek product that we that we could offer before. So we went really to try to define experience at the best level. And now we're actually, now that we have the physical product, we're actually pushing into the platform so people can actually use it. So we're going to be deploying a couple of the betas that actually we thought that the betas were going to be done like um, like two months before, but actually the campaign preparations and all that uh, it made it a little bit harder to actually coordinate all this stuff. Right. Um, but pro I mean, we're now going uh, next week to Hong Kong to just get those betas done. Uh, in Shenzhen and uh, start sending sentiment out to very specific guitar teachers who can actually give us like great feedback for the desktop uploader basically right right uh, because they tested the product they've seen it they're like okay I'm ready to go how can I do it and like a couple of weeks I mean not a couple of weeks like two months ago it used to be like a very geeky way of uploading content now it's a more pro stuff mm -hmm. and comprehensible for the user so I think that the idea is to offer always like when you're doing a community with for I mean, every, every actor of the community, which in this case are the guitar players, guitar beginners, and the teachers. How, how big is your team? Who, uh, how many people are on your team? Actually, the, the one who was like actually full full time was me, and until the campaign, and now we're like three full time, okay. which is. Um, and I think most of the staff was like I trying to go like uh, they were like in freelancing mode mm -hmm. until the commitment of like launching the product and then going. So basically, the, the product, uh, the, the team today is Ramiro, Ramiro Onun and I on full time mode. And then we have like different uh, freelance modes who actually were like part time and they develop some specific stuff like Jamal, um, Jamal on the electronic side. He's giving us some some insights. Um, and new plans, you know, some iterations. Um, Valeria on social community management, and Ben on the software backend. So full time guys, three plus 
three others who are actually doing a great job on the part-time side. That's cool. How, how long uh, has been this whole process for this product? Actually, from idea to now, uh, basically was like two years, two years and a half. Wow. Uh, so from the moment that I actually quit my, my all the other jobs, uh, the consulting jobs I used to have and just fully focus on this, it's been a year and a half. Okay. Basically, and I think most of the under I mean, at the very beginning, honestly, we're like driving the product in such a way who are we're not really able to understand how the uh, what sort of pieces of uh, I mean, we have the intentions of getting people getting you know at the very beginning was like okay, let's make a product where people can learn really fast chords and songs. That's it. Um, I mean, something that it's fun and engaging. But we did. I mean, we didn't really know how we how to do that and um, that was the first thing to learn like how to develop like a pretty good user experience sure. coordinate sure. the tests like before doing the test we would actually build the whole try to build the software and stuff like that were so wrong rather than just deploying a couple of mockups that they would do the stuff uh, we were spending time building stuff rather than testing stuff that would right. be the, the, the first thing that took it really long and then we had quite a long time looking for the appropriate materials of something that would not like kill the LED once you would put in the guitar you know like uh, the specific LEDs the specific components so you can actually put it there but keep playing the guitar as it is rather than, than having something you know like really really big that it would like bother the guitar playing experience so we took sure. some time doing that in the technical side as well well over, um, over these like two and a half years has there been like a major pivot moment where i don't know you had to give up on something or something just didn't work or you know was there a major roadblock or well i think that the the major um, the major pivot in the um the major people on the there were two major pivots, but always pretty much associated. I mean, it's always the same product and the same vision. But uh, the very beginning, the product was way larger um, than it is now. I mean, now it's four threads. Right. At the beginning, we wanted to make it in twelve, but technically, um, technically it was already very hard. But we focused on the technical stuff first, and then when we started to test the product. Uh, first, it was pretty expensive, but second, second thing was um, actually when we wanted to approach people who are like beginners and beginner intermediates who want to learn songs, and they didn't really need more than four frets. Sure. Right, right, right. <laughs> Get started with the basics and, first. Uh, and I, I would, I would actually say that the four frets is actually a gift. Like most of the people have the great experience with only three. Uh, right, on, right. The, on, on the on the on the open on the open string chords, uh, we just wanted to give four just to add all the major chords like like B B major B minor yep. that you had a whole bunch of songs uh, inside. Um, so actually, we that was the main short people like saying like taking the the direction of not offering something that it's full neck guitar, but rather. Uh, focus on a very specific set of songs and experience. Sure. sure. Uh, and the second thing was like for some reason we were actually wanted to add a MIDI and XML only, and then there was like storage and the people didn't like the sound of the MIDI's. They wanted to get like real songs and stuff like right, this. Right. 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 
And that was a major period in the technology, just getting all this stuff and just deploying something where people can build content with YouTube and not building content with MIDIs. Sure. It's an awesome format, but nobody nobody really listens to MIDIs. People really listen to songs, like uh, properly recorded and properly video sometimes. Um, So so that that was the the, the major stuff. So my flip kind of question to that is over those... uh, over those two and a half years as well, what's been like the most amazing moment? You know, when was that moment that you just nothing but grins and smiles and like, this is awesome? Um, well, I definitely can say that when we, I mean, probably what we, I mean, the launch was pretty, pretty awesome. Like the fact of saying like, wow, I mean, I mean, the very moment that you will launch and we got the goal, that was a great moment of saying, okay, just we accomplished this, which many startups died right. uh, before that. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I think there was some, there was a moment that we were like, uh, like one, one. There was like this, uh, this week in a, we made this Google Launchpad program. Um, well, two two great moments. The first great moment was like the first presentation we've done like with a lot of people. A lot of people was the Maker Fair okay. in Paris. Um, and honestly speaking, it was like, you know, besides my friends and some randomly selected people that were like the first people who actually were going to see this stuff live. Um, and I was a little nervous, right? Because I was um, I was really thinking in that moment to just quit everything and just start doing this. So, I mean, like waiting for people's reaction was like um, uh, really important. And I remember that I was really concerned about the look of the prototype and how was, and then people start coming over and playing the guitar and they were like having tons of fun. And, you know, in the Maker Fair, people play the guitar, making songs and, you know, like laughing. And we have amazing moments there. That was one of those moments that you just say like, wow, this is great what we're building and let's keep more of that. Right. And people, they wanted to buy it with the Arduino on, you know, it was like an Arduino hacky prototype, but they were like, can I buy it like that? Uh, <laughs> and uh, it was a serious, it was like a great moment where we had this, this thing of, okay, it's a gadget, but we can great, make a great experience to people. And then the product of the moment of the launch and the, you know achieving the goal. I think, but mainly launching. The, I mean, like all these two thousand two two years and a half, and then like launching something and putting it to market and start like making a real business out of this. It's a pretty awesome moment. Like I feel super happy now. Yeah, that's cool. Well, let's flip a little bit over to uh, to your actual campaign. So, you you know you, you you've you've crushed your goal already. You still got two weeks left. A little bit more. A little over two weeks. So. Yeah. So tell me, how did you decide that you wanted to get into crowdfunding to uh, to launch this idea? Actually, um, yeah, it's a pretty good question, right? Like, um, I mean, I since since I started buying some stuff, I, I was mainly like uh, I was mainly like a Kickstarter uh, uh, community member, if, if we can call it that way. Uh, but actually, I always dream about this this thing, you know, like trying to like get a precise goal and achieve it and communicate to your community and get the content until you reach the goal, you know, and create the excitement. Uh, I think like, I mean, I ended up in Indiegogo because I met the team of Indiegogo and they are like super great people. And I think the platform itself, um, it might be a little glitchy towards Kickstarter, I guess, but I mean, the, the amount of analytics and information that the platform gives you is pretty, pretty awesome. That's cool. Um, 
But today, actually, it's something that I've been talking with other founders and people who make hardware. Um, and, and, you know, like, I mean, now I made my campaign on Indiegogo and it was like, okay, great, we just got funded, we need to keep go a little bit more for, for more. Um, but the thing that um, I think, like, crowdfunding now, it, it's actually getting, like, pretty bad, uh, pretty bad reviews. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I don't know how you see it from your side, but I mean, talking to some other founders and talking to some other customers, some backers, uh, the fact of many startups now shipping the product, uh, it's something that people are very concerned. And I don't know how good it's going to be for the future of these sort of platforms uh, itself. And actually, many, many people told us, like, um, okay, that's great, I'm going to buy this one, but I mean, I had some really bad experiences <laughs> about yeah. some other projects, but but I'm gonna back you guys. And, and most of our community uh, was more like an into Kickstarter than Indiegogo. So I think we took a big bet on going on Indiegogo as well. Right. Uh, but I think like I mean in, in my case, I back quite a. I mean I back like about like between five and ten projects. Uh, between Indiegogo and Kickstarter, mm-hmm. uh, and I got them all. I yeah. got all my rewards. Well, you know what I mean? You know, funny. I, I mean, I, you know, on my side, just kind of answer your question is is I I think you usually always get your product. I think everybody's got their best intentions, and then there's always a horror story that yeah. everybody remembers that one, the coolest out of yeah. the year, right? But I actually yeah. wonder if the bigger concern is how everything's pay-per-click. That's what we discuss all the time. Like, it's not an open platform yeah. for a young company. Like, you've got to put a strong marketing idea together, you know, and, yeah. and some people, that's where I actually find most of the companies that fail is that they just put up a page and they did all their work on their product and then they didn't create a community to support it. So, so exactly. how did you guys do that? I mean, at being a young company, I mean, you know, you've obviously, you, you, you've got over a thousand backers. So how did you c- cultivate that audience before you launched? Um, I think one of the stuff that we've done is like giving the audience some sort of uh, things that really represented um, represented us and two things that, that we wanted to like um, build trust with people who were like actually mo- only um, I think it's only 10% of our backers that come from France mm-hmm. so um, all the other people who bought it they don't they barely know us Right, right, more than right. with pictures, um, and and the way we actually approach this stuff was um, we started campaign preparations like whatever two months, three months ago, uh-huh. um, and one of the things that we've done to just like show our community that our values are something to learn stuff, having fun, and. And also to say, okay, we, we keep our word when we say that we're going to do something um, uh, just to offer confidence. Because I think it's, it's, um, it's I mean, sometimes like a great landing page can help a lot. Like saying, okay, wow, these guys are awesome. They look super professional. But I think like we decided to say like, besides trying to do a pretty good landing page, uh, doing something where um, people at least can follow how the project really goes. And and that we are gonna say that we're gonna we're we're saying that we're gonna say something we're actually do it. So the last three months and a half we launched something called um, 
rather than going for ads or like acquiring you know email databases like people people do we started doing something named quiz for strings okay so um, we said okay every Friday we are gonna launch our our quiz and the quiz it's like it was actually a pretty fun quiz we were like uh, putting always like three questions and and a couple of other additional questions for people um, that they would like they would have like a picture of Steve Vai and we would say like who's this guy like Pokemon Go or uh, Eric Clapton or Steve Vai and they were like the first 10 who would actually answer those uh, that, that quiz make it correctly they would get the strings so basically um, as, as a marketing plan uh, as well as because we, it was pretty hard to actually for us to scale uh, prototype testing and actually throw in the betas because the betas would actually cost quite a lot. I mean, sometimes we love betas for free, uh, but sometimes they cost a lot of money. Right. I mean, um, so we partnered actually with a couple of um, of a strings, a string, a string producer in France who actually would give us the strings for free. Uh, in exchange to advertisement and to actually ship them to the community, so we said, okay, for every uh, for every ten who actually peels, uh, you know, he answers the the quest, they will get the strings every Friday, and we respected that for three almost three months. Wow. Now we are like more like fully focused on the campaign only, and they will go back to this, to the quiz later on. But it was something that people were actually saying, like, okay, these guys are all the time consistently shipping and doing this experience, which is a very fun experience. People, like, they were getting, like, 400 people or so, 500 people doing the quest. Um, and those who actually were getting the strings, they were getting the strings, they were, like, shipping them with a very, very crafted personal message from my side, like, handwritten message, like, hey, man, thank you very much for doing the quest. Um, and most of those, those guys and the others, they've seen that, I mean, we, they can trust us. Yeah. They can. I mean, once we say, okay, we're going to launch the 2nd of November, we launched that day uh, where we said about the, the every every quiz was on Friday. It was on Friday and that's with the strings. So, and also making making videos who look personal. Right, like, right. Not, I mean, it could be like better to get like super fancy stuff, but at least something that they understand that it's, we're building something from scratch. It's taking time. But we'll put a lot of effort into this for shipping a great experience that everybody everybody can use. That's cool. Where did you host the quizzes, or how how did you execute those? Mm, basically, well, like very simple Google Forms uh, oh, quiz. Cool. I think yeah, it was just like uh, we were working with Mailchimp and driving them through um, uh, with a Google Form quiz. I mean, just just for the sake of measuring, um, you know, like analytics. I think Mailchimp was awesome. Um, to understand the audience and call to actions and so on. Right, and, 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 you, and you put um, that out through social media for people to en engage with you from there. Sometimes we're putting it with small delay. Uh, I mean, at least for people to have fun with the quiz. But okay. usually, they, I mean, our our main goal was to actually keep um, track of the community as well in terms of emailing. Um, I think the most important thing you can do in, in I mean, that I learned from this thing is like how to make email acquisition like. Definitely, if you don't have like a good um, good community in terms of emails, I mean, Facebook maybe work, but I mean, nothing nothing kill emails now. Right, I mean, right. most of the things that convert for us is the newsletter keeps converting mm -hmm. pretty good. So 
um, even now that I mean now we're, we're actually going it was a pretty bad moment actually to launch it in November because you have a lot of offerings in terms of uh, Christmas yeah so sometimes people they need to like spend some money um, on, on different things even if they think that the product is so cool um, so in any case I mean whatever it's not it's not the end I think like I mean I don't think uh, Kickstarter is a zero or Indigo is a zero sum game. It's just a very tiny beginning of a lot of stuff. Uh, so I mean, we we we're gonna keep on demand uh, in Indigo later on. But I mean, for next week we're just going to Jensen. So we're starting like uh, closing manufacturing deals during the campaign. Mm-hmm. So we can actually still like keep uh, nourishing the campaign with with updates, like not just updates like great, we just made it to 100 and something percent, but rather saying, hey guys, what's up? We're already trying to like uh, get the product out there. So I mean, stay tuned. We're not sure. uh, losing our times uh, doing nothing and just um, keep you updated on the percentage, but actually. You know, like visiting the people who are going to be lower product. Now, something about your campaign, I think you mentioned a little bit earlier, was that you only had a few handful of backers from from France. Um, where where do you see the majority of your backers coming from, or where do you think they're coming from? Mainly, mainly UK. I mean, they're actually US, UK, okay. and Canada. Um, I think at the least it's. Um, it's a. Uh, it's actually U.S. I can check that now, actually. But it's a U.S. I checked this morning. U.S. Uh, U.K. Um, is the biggest crowd, mainly because we were focusing all our efforts in communication efforts in English. Uh-huh. Um, because even if I do speak French, I'm not that uh, keen to write or write in <laughs> right. French. So basically, and and all, all, all the com- there, right? Yeah, yeah, I mean the the the, the, com- the company's language is also in English, so um, mainly we we target people who are like in the U.S. And, and how will that and, play out and, for shipping for you with the campaign, considering where your audience is and where you are? Well, I think like I mean sh- we're we're doing mainly there's only one small part um, coming from France, but we're going to I mean that that adhesive that we need uh, from France we're going to take it in Shenzhen uh, the gotcha. production is going to be done in Shenzhen okay. and, and ship from Hong Kong like pretty much like everyone does uh, that works pretty good here's a question that popped in my head how do you find those relationships I mean it doesn't sound like you've had a, a you know ton of experience with Chinese manufacturing how, how do you just how does that? How do you even start that process? I mean, I'm a guy in Detroit. I have no idea how I would start that process or where I would. Um, well, I mean, previously on on our previous job, this German company, when I was doing products, we were like screening a whole bunch of suppliers in uh, Alibaba. Ah. Um, that's that's I mean, key key asset for any entrepreneur who has no connections at all. It's like you go to Alibaba and. Basically, people there, it's like, you know, sometimes people think like, well, this China, I mean, how do you know if they are reliable or not? Whatever. I mean, mainly, usually Alibaba, it's like pretty reliable in terms of, um, um, you know, stars and reviews and stuff like this. So I think the platform is very reliable. You can start like gathering a lot of components. AliExpress, Alibaba, they are like just amazing. Um, Actually, I ended up. We ended up doing a lot of prototypes, and and probably, I mean, there's a huge, huge chance that we're going to be doing uh, the product with the first, um, with the first 
company who actually made um, the, the the prototypes. Gotcha. Uh, it's it's a it's a small company, but it's very reliable. We have a great relationships with these guys, and I mean, there's a supplier and, and customer relationship, but still, it's like we really feel these guys are partners. Like mm -hmm. we, I've been there in to Jensen two times already. Um, and I met them, and you know, I went, I went actually out with them. You know, it's like they are very, very good. That's cool. Um, rather than going to a big company that they, they might not have that sort of relationship, but probably in terms of volume, uh, we might need a larger factory later on the road. Um, so the, I think the, the best way, and then we had the chance that we went to a um, Singaporean accelerator. I, I lived like uh, about three months in Singapore um, doing an acceleration program from from um, April to June this this year. So actually, I learned a whole bunch of stuff on it was it's a, an accelerator named Enchant.vc that only focuses on B2C hardware startups. Hmm, that's cool. So, yeah, it's actually pretty awesome, and I think one of the best programs I've done in terms of uh, company, you know, like training, acceleration, and so on, uh, we learned a whole bunch of stuff there, and we went all together with Shenzhen to visit manufacturers and understanding this crazy terminology like ODN, uh, you know, contract manufacturing. Right, right. Uh, uh, wording, uh, blah, blah, blah. So this was actually pretty good for like touching base and meeting this potential suppliers in the future, meeting the factories, understanding how these guys work and how can we partner with them. Um, but I think the the very first process starts with uh, um, with Alibaba in our case, and I think like it could actually start in, in in I think I totally would recommend startups to check Alibaba some mm -hmm. stuff until you find like a different suppliers. It's amazing how you know the Chinese are super keen about like getting Skype calls and and talk to you super soon. I would definitely suggest to actually go to China and understand what these guys do sure. and how they do it right. um, and help them out to help you. <laughs> sure, right, right. right. Uh, Was there ever any the, concern with um with like the theft of IP at all? I mean, I know that's uh, I've heard that horror story actually a couple of times. Was there, was that ever that ever crossed your mind or how do you prepare for something like that or can you um i mean definitely if whatever like a huge manufacturer probably copies our product they copy our product um i think the still i see a lot of like uh, european companies copy chinese companies <laughs> uh, lately i mean the other way around especially mobility like right. uh, uber boards and all this sort of stuff sure um now the, the thing that i uh I mean, what we want to focus is mainly on community and mainly creating a platform of musical products. So mm -hmm. our idea now is to go for guitar and then go probably for ukulele. Right. Uh, ukulele and bass, you know, fret yep. instruments, and then like start start from guitar to different instruments and create more of a software platform than becoming a hardware-only company. So. Uh, that's why we build this community at the uploader. And the other thing is like Chinese market. I mean, even if, if we all live in a very connected world, they are, it's so different in terms of what these guys use. Like, for example, our product wouldn't actually be now 
um, at the, uh, it's not supported in China mm-hmm. unless they have VPN for a YouTube concern. Right. Uh, there's no YouTube there. Yep. So and and they use whatever Yuku thing. They don't use Google. And I was talking to one guy who actually made a guitar LED product in China. He was like a Chinese founder in in Beijing. Mm-hmm. And we discussed this in CES in Shanghai, and he actually the thing is like I mean we live in a connected world, but the markets are very very different. Sure, right, right. Like uh, so maybe they can copy us, and hopefully we're gonna push better for the platform and scale better than than some people on something that it's not cannot get commoditized. Like hardware startups, I mean we have this this problem that. It's not a scalable. Yeah. Right. Um, so I mean, either either if someone copies you, or you die of cash flow, or or maybe you just make like very very specific products that nobody else can have because you have an amazing technology. But in any case, uh, I think we would really like to have like uh, if there are like copycats, like Arduino copycats, at least. Hopefully, they're going to be using our software, and we're going to do as much as we can for them to use our API. Right. So the idea is to like definitely have like hardware now as a way of promoting our product and have a great experience. And if if there are copycats, it means that the business is going pretty good as well. Um, so hopefully, they're not going to like um, drag us down, but actually give us more energy and power to develop new cool stuff on the software side, where we can actually build more uh, connections with the hardware as well. Cool. So, you know, kind of a couple more questions here. We'll wrap up. But you, so you, you know, you're sitting on a successful funded campaign. You've still got a couple of weeks. What's the What's the feeling like amongst you and your uh, your team right now? How does everything feel? Well, every, every, everyone's like, I mean, what we have now, it's like, as soon as we reached the goal, we were like, uh, let's let's move let's move to Shenzhen and let's just uh, you know like close the deal for the manufacturers and, and start like shipping product so that's and we were all like wow we reached the 50k right uh, okay let's keep selling let's keep adding you know like content and value for for our community but let's just do as much possible we can to just ship the product I mean because the only thing that I mean and but most of the the hardware startups that they don't um, that they don't ship product because there are some that they don't or they they might take I mean they might ship the product but two years later right right, right. Um, basically it's because uh, you know it's like it's super cool to actually have a one million dollar campaign it's like uh, I mean I mean nourished load your ego probably <laughs> I haven't experienced that but right. it probably like you get like I mean wow my ego is so strong right now but you start defocusing for what it really, I mean, the real purpose of the campaign, who was like making something awesome and ship it to people. Uh, and, you know, like getting, getting only focusing on like uh, selling more, it's, it's, I mean, it's more like investor and, and ego thing as well. I mean, always it's good to sell because you need to keep selling and, and stuff like this. We face like that now it's like, we are in pretty good shape now because our cost was already like 
pretty accurate. Mm -hmm. Just go there to China and start doing. I think our bet is more like shipping faster than May rather than waiting. And one of the things that we have as a challenge is that we have the New Year's Eve in China in February. Right, right, right. So there are like three, four weeks that nobody's producing anything. Yeah. So we we said that we try to really, really focus on the first 20, I mean, 20 days of the campaign. Let's just do the maximum there, and then let's just go there to Jensen and let's finish all this stuff so we can ship product as much as fast as possible. Um, so, I mean, we are pretty committed to first thing is shipping the product as well as developing the platform for whenever we ship the product, the teachers are already using it as well. Mm -hmm. um, so now with this with this cash, we have like way perspective to say, okay, we can deploy some betas for some key teachers and key people who can actually help us understand the process, the best process that we can have for having the community and the songs and the content in the long run. That's cool. Wow, man, you got a lot on your plate, but man, you're making a cool cool product that helps teach guitar. And uh, I wish I had this, you know, 20 years ago. It would have been cool. You know. Definitely, it's it's really eighties as well. Yeah, nineties. <laughs> yeah, you're right. You're right. But it is cool. So, Federico, I want to, I appreciate you so much taking some time out of your day to talk about your campaign and talk to my listeners about about your product and how you've been successful. It's great. No, no, that's great, Jeff. And uh, thank you very much. I think you guys are also doing a great uh, podcast and keep doing this, man. Cool. Thanks so much. Okay, you, t you take it easy and have fun, man. Yep. All right, buddy. All right, how about that conversation? I did realize, though, in the middle of that, that uh, for you, the listeners, I'm going to have to change up some email language and get people to not have these interviews in, in the middle of cafes and where people are literally banging stuff. Sorry about that, guys. I'm going to fix that problem. Um, it's a small problem, but I think it's one that will help out, um, help out you, the listeners, a lot more. So... A uh, song we're listening to is a song called Yesterday's Superstar. Um, again, this is a song that Jake and I wrote with the help of um, Unique from Chicago. And um, and performing it, though, is Lulu Doll on it. And i got to be honest, this is one of my favorite songs that uh, I've ever worked on. And I, I think it's a pretty good one. I really do. So, all right, guys. Um, we're coming up on episode 50. That's the big one, right? That's the one that we are all been waiting for. So... Uh, keep your ears tuned to that, and uh, I will see you later this week. One of the few people that lived out all